Chapel presents Pastor's Perspective, a one-hour program that gives a biblical and pastoral viewpoint on the theological, social, and practical issues of the day. We'll be taking your calls in just a moment. But first, here's today's host. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Pastor's Perspective on this Mystery Monday, although it's going to turn into a world news briefing. Wow, do we have some stories for you as things are breaking even as we speak. Hi, I'm Don Stewart, and as we've been promoting our very special guest today is New York Times bestselling author Joel Rosenberg, who has his hand on the pulse, finger on the pulse, everything going on in the promised land right now. Joel, you there with me? I am. How are you, Don? I'm, I'm fantastic. Yourself? I'm doing great. Thank uh, you. I uh, appreciate it. I bet you're busy. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd rather just be writing fiction, yeah. but uh, what's <laughs> happening in the Middle East is really uh, tearing my heart out right now. So we're yeah. praying and trying to educate people and mobilize more prayer. Yeah, now I bet it is. Okay, let's get right to it. The latest. This is from the Debka File exclusive. Israel accepts Egyptian mediation and ceasefire demands removal of Hamas missile stocks from Gaza. Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu has accepted Egyptian's president's proposal to mediate the halt of hostilities between Israel and Hamas. A ceasefire going into effect Tuesday, July 15th at 9 a.m. Debka File reports he informed a senior security cabinet tonight, Monday, that he has reached the decision after talking to Washington and Cairo. He stressed that the Egyptian and Israeli policies towards Hamas remain unchanged, including the blockade of Gaza, and he would insist of all Hamas rocket stop stocks in Gaza being dismantled. Okay, what are your thoughts on all this, Joel? Well, I would, uh, I'm a little cautious to say that that's happened, yeah. but it might be happening. Yes. Um, what I'm hearing is that uh, the Israeli cabinet um, will be meeting at uh, uh, early in the morning right. Israel time, and at that point, the, what the, the leaks are coming out that Netanyahu is inclined at this moment yes. to recommend to the security cabinet uh, that they accept the um, the ceasefire. Now that being said, yeah. got to keep in mind uh, a lot can happen <laughs> right between <laughs> now and uh, let's see it's a, it's around uh, one o'clock in the morning right. Israel time. So presumably, let's say they meet at six. Um, you know, five hours could be. You know, we could wake. Yeah. All, we'll all go wake up, or actually, we'd be all going to bed. Yeah. And and everything could have changed. So, uh, but I'm. We're all praying that this thing would end as rapidly as possible. I know there's a lot of pressure on Netanyahu by military officials and some in his cabinet saying uh, it's, it would be too early to yeah. accept a ceasefire, that Israel needs to use a ground operation to try to you know, destroy more missile uh, uh, you know, stockpiles. And, uh, and so that's what he's weighing tonight. Right. But, uh, but there's, you know, let's, let's be hopeful that this thing could end soon. Uh, it's been horrible to watch mm. uh, yeah. this last week, the last few weeks, last few years, as you know. Yeah, yeah. Joe, what's, what's to keep, though, from being a repeat of Operation Pillar of Defense in 2012 because they had a ceasefire then, and here we are two years ago, and same song going all over again? Yeah, that's a good question, Don, and I think that's, the, that's what Netanyahu and other leaders in Israel are weighing. Yeah. Uh, I was in Israel uh, doing work with the Joshua Fund, our mm. ministry to bless yeah. Uh, Israelis and Palestinians with food and uh, humanitarian relief supplies, you know, really trying to show the love of Christ to both sides. And I was there in November 2012 when this rocket war, mm. the last one, mm. unleashed. Uh, I was actually in Ashkelon one day, oh boy. <laughs> uh, and uh, we saw the rockets uh, being launched out of Gaza. The sirens went off. We were all running to a bomb shelter. And then we saw the Iron Dome mm. anti-rocket 
defense system fire, and we watched these Palestinian terrorist uh, rockets being blown out of the sky. It was right. it was surreal. So I say <laughs> that to say yeah. Netanyahu at that time uh, mobilized uh, the reserves and 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 massed the Israeli army on the border of Gaza in a show of force, and he was ready to go. Right. Uh, and then the sort of ceasefire was offered, and he accepted it. Now, that's why I'm saying it's very possible that Netanyahu will accept this right. one, because he's not... Look, he's, this is his third term as prime minister, and he was a special forces commando yes. uh, himself. His brother was, yeah. and his brother was killed in operations. Yeah. He believes in the strength and, uh, of the Israeli military. He was part of it, and he has led it for years. But he also knows the price. Mm. And so what he's trying to do is weigh, is that, okay, I accepted the ceasefire last time. And, you know, that did buy two years of relative calm. I'm True. not saying it's been perfect, right. but most Israelis are happy with two years. They'll say, let's take it when we can get it. <laughs> uh, yeah. The question now is, if, you know, this would be actually the third round in recent years. Right. It was one in 09. Yep. I was there for that, too. And in 12, <laughs> and, and, and now this. So the question Israeli leaders are asking themselves is, do you buy another few months, another couple of years, or do we have to fundamentally change the facts on the ground? And is that going to require an invasion? Yeah. But, of course, an invasion is yeah. fraught with all kinds of uh, risks, and you don't know how you're going to get out, necessarily. That's why we got to be praying, because this is all way over my pay yeah. grade, and <laughs> I, I, I feel my heart goes out to the leaders mm. have to make these decisions, and, of course, to the Palestinian and Israeli civilians yeah. who are getting caught in this crossfire. Yeah, that, that's the terrible thing. The, the problem, of course, they're facing, Joel, is now you've got uh, these rockets that have 160-kilometer range, the M302, which didn't exist, uh, or at least they didn't have them seemingly a couple years ago. And if it goes another year or two, what, what will happen then with the, you know, the, the, defense, the weapons that they have with the increase of the technology? So you, I, I know it's almost like it's a no-win situation, isn't it? Well, uh, yes, and and look, there there are a number of reasons for that, yeah. um, and 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 one of them is you remember just from a geopolitical historical perspective, Israel withdrew um, its uh, occupation, if, if if people want to use that term, yeah. you know, that's debatable, yeah. but let's just say occupation of Gaza right. in two thousand five. Hmm. They didn't ask for a treaty, no, nope. and they didn't get one. <laughs> they just said, listen. You know, it's sort of like the old country western song, I don't want her, you can have her, she's too fat for me. <laughs> Probably not quoted on yep. K-Wave that often, I realize. That's all right. But let me just say, God, then Prime Minister Ariel Sharon said, listen, we don't want to run your lives. You want it? Fine, run, run it yourself. We're, we'll withdraw. Now, you would have thought, right, that right. that would have led to peace. The old formula, peace sure. uh, or land, land for, for peace. peace. Yeah. And yet what happened was, Radical Islamists, Hamas, took over, and uh, and now there's been uh, eight or nine thousand rockets at least uh, just in the last few years, and a thousand since last Monday. Mm. So Israeli, Israelis are thinking, okay, I just we give them the land, yeah. <laughs> and they give us thousands of yeah. rockets that are civilians as thank you presents. We we just don't understand mm. this, but. But, as you mentioned, the Iron Dome system, yep. uh, the good news is not a single Israeli has been killed yeah, in the last the Lord. week. Mm. Some, uh, some have been injured. Um, so it, Israelis live in a strange situation where they're, they're, they're trying to figure out how do you win. Yeah. And even giving up all the land, 
doesn't seem to work. But I would say one other thing from a, from a biblical perspective. Sure. Now, if you look at the, the grand scheme of the, the, the trajectory of the biblical Israeli history, what you find is um, you have uh, nations that are against Israel who don't follow the God of Israel, the God of the Bible, mm-hmm. and God allows them to attack and sometimes severely wound and even sometimes conquer Israel. Be- why? Because Israel is off track spiritually. Mm-hmm. They're not walking with the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They're not reading the Bible, and they're not serving the Lord. And so God sometimes allows evil regimes right. to have an evil impact in order to chastise the nation of Israel and get them to turn back to him. Now, the, God is always clear through the prophets that those evil nations will then be judged later for attacking Israel. But they let them... God sometimes lets evil nations, evil regimes, um, have their way for a while to accomplish God's purposes to bless Israel and draw them to Mm. him. And I would just say, as a a Jewish believer in Jesus, look, I don't want Israel to go through war or terrorism or anything else, but I also want Israel to to go back to the scriptures. Uh, You know, like Josiah suddenly discovering, hey, hey... Mm. (laughs) Who knew there's a God in Israel, and he loves us, and he's got a plan through the scriptures, and wow, Mm. Jesus is the Messiah. That's what they need. I'm not saying you want, you know, it's not an evangelistic tactic to be in support of a war. I'm against war. I want peace. I'm praying for peace, as the scriptures tell us to. But it's important for us to remember as Christians that God has, you know, God is sovereign, and he's got a plan, and the plan is to get Israel to wake up and turn back to him. Yeah, and we know they will eventually, you know. And, Amen. And that's that's the good news, and they will be isolated, too. We're also told in Scripture, Joel, as we're seeing right now, uh, again, like you said, this is all above our pay grade, the, the decisions they have to make. It's it's like whatever they do, they're going to have a lot of people against them because, you know, one side will say, you know, finish the job with Hamas. The other will say, look, let's let's have a cessation of hostilities right, right. now. Now, as as Christians, again, we, we not only pray for this, but we always mention to our audience, we support Israel, the right to exist, but we've, we've got the gospel going out to Palestinians, too. These are souls for whom Christ died, Amen. and I want you to talk for a minute about what you're doing, your ministry, the Joshua Fund, because I'm really impressed with that. By the way, I get all your I get your blog and all your, your, your stuff. I'm so impressed with your ministry. I want you to tell people what you are doing, I mean, practically speaking, to get the gospel to these folks. Well, I appreciate that very much. Well, let's start with the biblical basis. Mm. We believe that, you know, in John 3.16, that for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, and, 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 and that we, therefore, that while God has a special love and plan for Israel and the Jewish people, and hasn't rescinded that, right. as Paul makes it clear in Romans 9, 10, and 11, nevertheless, he also loves the Arabs, he loves the Palestinians, and the Lebanese, and the Syrians, and the Iraqis, and the Egyptians, and so forth, Jordanians, I don't want to leave them out. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. we believe, biblically, that God, the God of the Bible, is not an either-or God. Hmm. It's not like, I'm going to love Israel, or I'm going to love the Palestinians. God is both and. Jesus loves Israel and her neighbors, uh, and so should the Church. And so that's our biblical premise. Uh, And, by the way, you know, I'm from a Jewish background, but I also have a Lebanese brother-in-law. Really? An Arab-Lebanese brother-in-law. He's fabulous, loves Jesus, um, leads worship, and so I can't... (laughs) just say, well, that's just my brother-in-law. No, he's also a brother in Christ, 
And together, we're supposed to show Ephesians chapter 2, the one new man, Mm -hmm. Jews and Arabs in Christ, once we're in Christ, loving each other despite political differences, even theological differences, and certainly historical uh, pains and heartaches on both sides. So that's the biblical basis for the Joshua Fund. Mm -hmm. Now, practically, what we do is um, raise funds from Christians in North America to invest in work to provide food and uh, humanitarian relief supplies to Israeli Jews, Israeli Arabs, and Palestinian Arabs. Wonderful. Um, We have a warehouse in Israel and 14 food distribution centers. Um, They're all run by local believers, Mm. um, and we help them. We do some training, and and we fund all of this, but not just that. We're also doing pastor training and encouragement. We're investing in ministries that, you know, you were talking about specifically to reach Palestinians. Right. To um, on, um, Arab radio stations preaching the gospel, teaching the word of God. Uh, we do retreats for pastors. Uh, we provide, you know, uh, su- supplies that are needed for churches, you know, whether it's evangelistic or uh, Bible training. Whatever we can do to help local believers um, reach and encourage um, their people. Mm. Uh, because we believe that's God's plan and purpose, and it's exciting. Uh, you know, uh, yeah. to give you one example, we had the opportunity uh, to uh, do, you know, for the last two years, to hold a, a pastor's conference called Preach the Word. Mm. We do this for Israeli pastors and their wives uh, in the fall, and then we do the exact same conference a few days later in the West Bank with Palestinian pastors mm. and their wives. And we had a approximately 85 or 90 percent of the Palestinian pastors from the West Bank at the last conference, wow. where we were, we were teaching verse by verse through the book of James. Mm. The year before was teaching verse by verse through Titus. And we bring pastors from um, the United States. Uh, I teach part of it, but others do as well. Some of them happen to be uh, Calvary pastors. And so we're encouraged because these guys are saying, listen, let's not talk about politics. Let's not talk about the conflict. Yep. That's exhausting. Could we, could we just talk about Jesus and the Word and how we can grow more in His image as Jews, as Arabs, come together as one new man in Christ? Let's worship together. Let's pray together. And, and one uh, brother at one point said, well, let's, let's talk about the conflict a little bit. And <laughs> a bunch of them said, no, 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 that is, no, let's, let's just... Let's just have a next few days and not talk about the conflict at all. We, there's nothing we can do, yeah. you know, about the conflict. Let's focus on what we can do to walk with Jesus and make him known. Wow, that has just been an honor. I mean, it, it, it's such, such an encouragement. We've got a great staff and, and board and team, and, and, uh, and, and you guys have been very supportive over the years. Uh, the whole Calvary yeah. Chapel movement among among the Baptists and others, but mm-hmm. just thank you. Oh, you're welcome for praying for this ministry and as we and and, and giving financially uh, as we just come alongside uh, the church, uh, the Jewish church and the Arab church, and try to serve them uh, and encourage them in a really really challenging environment.
You know, Joel, that, that's where it's at. That's what we're all about. A number of years ago, I had the privilege of actually doing a question and answer session in Israel with not only uh, Jewish believers, but Palestinian believers and R- Russian believers, too. It was quite, quite interesting. <laughs> and all we could talk about was Jesus. That was, you know, that was it. We're all brothers and sisters in Christ. And I'm so thankful for the ministry that you have where you're praying for you, the Joshua Fund, uh, that would continue to bless people, that the gospel would get out there. Okay, and this is going to be a surprise to a lot of people because they wait a minute. They're actually Palestinian Christians there. I'd never heard this before. You know what? Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> develop that a bit. Well, yeah, and it's it's one of the things that the um, that I think the church, generally speaking, hasn't done well at, and I will say myself included, which is to get to know mm. the uh, the Palestinian believers. Uh, and over the last, I don't know, well, the ministry is eight years old now, as of this summer, and in the last several years, we've been really being much more proactive to build not just relationships with Israeli Arabs. Uh, there are Israeli citizens who are Arabs, and they, right. they can vote, they can run for office, they can, you know, um, but with Palestinians. Mm-hmm. And I was a little slow on that. Not because I didn't love Palestinians, but I, honestly, part of it was I just didn't think they would yeah. receive me. I mean, <laughs> I, I worked for Netanyahu years ago, but, um, you know, I'm Jewish. Um, uh, so I was just, I, I don't know, I, I, I didn't do it. But... A number of years ago, one Palestinian brother got really, really mad at me and told me through a friend of uh, one of our staff guys and said, listen, you've got a real problem. I don't know what it is, but he's, he's really mad at you. So mm. I went and I had lunch with him, and he basically said, listen, you never come and visit me. And, mm. uh, we, you know, we hardly know each other. We know each other, but not really super well. And why aren't you doing more to reach out to me and the other Palestinian leaders? And I, I said, wow. I, so I apologized. Mm. But I also said, you know, I... I I just didn't know how to go about it. I'm not saying that was right, but please forgive me. And he said, you should have invited yourself over. <laughs> I said, well, you know, in my culture, yeah. um, we, don't, we don't invite ourselves no. over. I mean, it just, <laughs> no. you know, and so I'm not saying I was right or wrong. He said, no, 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 but don't you remember the story of, Zac- of Zacchaeus? And Jesus said to Zacchaeus, hey, <laughs> yeah. I'm coming to your house for dinner. <laughs> Good. I said, okay, well, A, I'm not Jesus, and B, you're not Zacchaeus, but that was the West Bank. I get that. Yeah. I said, it's just not part of our culture. But you know what? You're right. I, mm. I should be proactive as someone who loves Jesus and loves Israel. It's my responsibility to love Israel's neighbors. Mm-hmm. Now, when I'm teaching around the world, I sometimes have people, well, well the Palestinians, they're not Israel's neighbors. They're their enemies. Well, then we revert yeah. to Matthew chapter 5, verse yep. 44, then, mm-hmm. which is, Jesus said, love your enemies. If they're, they're your neighbors or your enemies, Jesus says, love them. And I haven't done a great job, and generally speaking, many evangelicals who love Israel yep. have never given much thought about yep. uh, the Palestinians. But they're there, they're coming to faith more and more, and they do feel very beleaguered. They, mm. You know, they... They feel like uh, there, was, there was a book written about them called Be- um, Between Two Fires. Mm. Imagine being a Muslim or yeah. a Palestinian Christian or a pastor, let's say specifically, trying to serve in the West Bank or Gaza. Everybody hates you because you're a Christian. Right. And you're trying to be loving and kind to Israel's neighbors, so that makes you look like right. a traitor. <laughs> mm-hmm. the, direct, the Western Church doesn't pay attention to you at all, and you feel like, you know... Aren't I honored in God's system? I mean, yes, I'm a servant, yes, but but doesn't anyone care that I'm struggling to walk with the Lord and serve Him? And and the answer is not enough. Mm. And I think that it's been part of what we've tried to 
you know, take the planks out of our own eyes as a staff, as a team, and then, you know, humbly try to encourage others, listen, God is doing a great thing mm. among the Palestinians and among, honestly, among Muslims throughout the whole region. Indeed. Uh, I was just in Jordan. God is doing really great things there. And even more in Iran, Israel's number one enemy, more Muslims are coming to faith hmm. in Jesus Christ in Iran uh, than at than a rapid rate than anywhere else in the Middle East, hmm. and certainly more than Jews are coming to faith in Israel. And hmm. so you think, wow, why is God pouring out his Holy Spirit on Iran, Israel's worst enemy? Because God loves Iran. It just, yep. you know, it, just because God loves Israel doesn't mean he doesn't love the neighbors and the enemies. He does, and he's working powerfully to transform either nominal Christians in the Middle East, Arabs and Iranians and others, or Muslims are coming to faith in just extraordinary ways. And I've gotten to travel, by God's grace, through the region extensively and meet a lot of them. Mm. And I've been touched, and honestly, as a Jewish believer, I get really jealous. I'm wow, mm. God's moving more powerfully <laughs> among Arabs and Persians than among the Jews. Yeah. Mm. I know the day of the Jews coming to faith is that's coming. Yeah. We're heading towards a Romans 11:26 world where all Israel shall be saved. I can't wait. Mm. In the meantime, Paul did say Jewish believers would get jealous because of what God was doing among the Gentiles, and I can attest that is happening right now. Amen. If you just tuned in, this is a very special Mystery Monday here on Pastor's Perspective. Joel Rosenberg is with us. You're going to be with us the whole hour, right, Joel? Forward to oh, we're looking. Oh, okay, uh, we've had the phone lines are, are down now, folks. I want to talk to Joel. There's so many issues uh, we need to deal with. Okay, Joel, right now, as you can imagine, coming over the wire, the nationalistic ministers, the Knesset, the MKs, are outraged over an impending ceasefire. Uh, for the minister, housing minister Uri Ariel said, Egypt's Egypt's proposal for a ceasefire is a disaster. And you're getting comments like that from Danny Danone and others like that. Um, again, your thoughts on this? Yeah, well, this is, that's why I'm saying the next uh, yeah. <laughs> five to nine hours are going to be very interesting. Mm. And, and, and I, you know, again, I'll just go back to my first point, which was I want there to be peace, right? right? Jesus told us, uh, blessed are the peacemakers, uh, Matthew 5, and Psalm 122.6 tells us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. So as believers, we understand that the war is necessary sometimes to protect people, but obviously we, we, we need to be on the side of peace and praying for mm-hmm. it and encouraging it. Um, so that's the first point. The second point, though, is that, okay, Israel, in order to get peace longer term, Israel might have to do a ground operation or extend mm-hmm. these airstrikes longer. We don't want that, but we do want there to be calm. And mm-hmm. so that's why we need to be praying for leaders, yep. as Paul told Timothy, to pray for leaders. Why? So we can live quiet lives and... And what's going to happen now is there's going to be a, there is a ferocious debate yeah. inside uh, Netanyahu's inner circle, as well as the outer rims of it, where people are making case. Listen, if you want peace for five years, you'll have to do this. If you want it for the next five months, mm. then fine, take that. And and that's a judgment call, right? That's where wisdom and yeah. discernment comes in. The challenge, of course, from a believer perspective, is. I don't know a single Israeli official who is a follower of Jesus as Messiah. Therefore, you know, they're not seeking God's wisdom. Yeah. We can pray that God gives it to them anyway, and we should, right? We can pray 
that, uh, you know, like First uh, Chronicles 12.32, I believe, that the leaders of Israel would be like the sons of Issachar, mm. men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. That is a great verse for this moment, mm. that they would understand the times and know what Israel should do in this hour. Obviously, the main thing we want Israel to do is turn to Jesus. But yep. tactically, <laughs> the question is, yep. what's the right way to protect the people of Israel while minimizing Palestinian casualties yep. among innocent you know, civilians? And I don't know the answer to that question, but I know that everyone in the Israeli government thinks they know, yep. and, you know and they may be right. So uh, the prime minister and his team will make that final decision, but I think there's going to be a lot of really intense discussions. And remember, the X factor here is what does Hamas do? Yes. Imagine if Hamas launches another salvo of rockets at Jerusalem, like they have, mm-hmm. or Tel Aviv, or some other place, and what if some of those missiles get past mm. the Iron Dome mm. system and real casualties start to mount up yeah. in the next few hours? Oh. That will change the calculus also. So that's what I'm saying is... Uh, you, it's good to track the press reports, but uh, yep. every moment of the next exactly. night are are going to be, uh, you know, are going to be determinative. Yeah, a moment by moment thing. Uh, Joe Roseberg, a couple things. For one, uh, I appreciate you so much alerting us to the Red Alert app. I've got it right now on mm. my iPad, so if it goes off during the program, <laughs> I've got it. I've got the sound on. So, well, yeah, what it is, folks, is if when a rocket, any type of rocket, shot over to Israel, this thing goes off, and I've got the air raid siren uh, app uh, uh, noise on that, so you know what they hear. And it's, it's. I have it on as well. I was going to turn it off, but I thought, you know, no, keep it on. Maybe, uh, no, yeah. no. And we've been. I've been using it. Yeah. To, Pray every time that Me siren too. goes off, yeah. uh, and if we've got family or friends near us, we take a moment to pray for people on both sides. Yes, but the app, as you know, tells people not just that rockets are coming, yeah. but what town they're heading towards, which is useful to pray for the people in that area. Yeah, which which I was going to bring up the thing, which is interesting. You know, a lot of them are going to the Negev, but you've had like Russia Nikra, you know, a while back up in the Golan Heights. You've had right. that up, and which brings up a whole other issue. You've got other players here, Joel right. Rosenberg. You've got you know Hezbollah there, uh, who haven't entered in yet. There seem like some rogue, uh, you know, rockets are coming over from to northern Israel from uh, Lebanon and possibly even Syria. We heard that earlier. That that could be a game changer. Also, uh, so far they've stayed out of it. And uh, I guess we assume, don't we, that the, this is not an official, not a sanction, because, uh, you know, launching, obviously, because if it were, you would have the what the thousands that are that are there. Yeah, that's a good point, Don. You've got two other fronts that Israel has to be very concerned with, uh, the, uh, both in the north. Mm-hmm. One is the Lebanon border, where Hezbollah, yep. the Iranian-backed and trained and supplied uh, terrorist organization, controls most of southern, southern Lebanon. Um, and increasingly are trying to become a state within right. the state of Lebanon. Then you've got the Syrian border, which we know is Syria is in, a, in, a, in an implosion hmm. condition. We're watching the tragic uh, dissolution of a modern Arab state hmm. in this intense uh, uh, civil war that has cost the lives of north of 170,000 people have been, have been murdered and killed in, in Syria. And you have um, ISIS radicals and yeah. other radicals who are trying to not only take down the Assad government in Damascus, but they also want to capture chemical weapons and other weapons and launch them at Israel. So, mm. yes, a few rockets have been coming in from the north, but.
Well, here's an interesting part, Don, that I think is not getting uh, much media attention, but it's important. The Lebanese military actually arrested yeah. uh, some people that right. were trying to launch rockets um, from southern Lebanon towards Israel. Now, yes, still some have gotten through, but that's a very interesting situation when you've got an Arab army mm-hmm. uh, in, in a hostile environment arresting people for shooting at Israel. <laughs> yes. That is a helpful <laughs> yes. sign. Now, again, Iran uh, could give the order for Hezbollah to launch, and they have an estimated 175,000 mm. rockets and missiles that mm. could launch at Israel. This would be horrifying. Oh, so far, that hasn't happened. we got to pray yeah. that God protects the northern border. But the other player in this, there's two others that are important. Yeah. So the Lebanese army, interesting. Um, doing something useful. Um, <laughs> God bless them. Uh, the second uh, two are um, Jordan's yes. uh, King Abdullah, who was just in Washington a few days ago. He has a peace treaty with Israel. He uh, is a moderate. I was just in Jordan uh, doing research, actually, for my next novel. Uh, met with the prime minister, the foreign minister, uh, the prince, and the number of one of the princes, and a number of the other top officials there, trying to get an understanding of them. Fascinating what Jordan and the, and the king is doing. I didn't, unfortunately, have an opportunity to meet uh, with his majesty, but I learned from people who are right next to him, you know, they're moderates. They're trying to, you know, be friends of the United States, be allies, and be, friend, uh, be you know, peaceful neighbors of Israel. And they're working hard with the Palestinian leadership, trying to find a way forward in the peace process. So he's an, King Abdullah is a key player in this. Okay, that's some music. Joe, we're up to a break. We're going to take about two minutes off. Uh, if you're listening now to this very special edition of Pastor's Perspective on Mystery Monday, my very special guest is Joe Rosenberg by phone. We'll be back in a couple of minutes talking about what's going on, so we'll pick it up then. Until then, don't go wandering off. Yeah, with the second half of Pastor's Perspective on this very exciting Mystery Monday. I'm Don Stewart, very special guest, New York Times bestselling author Joel Rosenberg by phone, talking about what's going on in Israel today. Now, I haven't opened the phones up yet, people. I don't think I'll do it for the hour. I've got so many things to ask, Joel, and we've got a ton of things to cover. I'm sure you'll understand, so just pay attention. Oh, it's an obviously exciting show. Joel, pick up uh, pick up where you left off, talking about uh, Jordan, uh, Syria, and what Israel's facing from the enemies around them. Right. Well, Don, I was saying that there are three Arab neighbors of Israel right now that are playing interesting roles. Mm. One was the Lebanese army trying to stop terrorists from shooting at uh, and firing rockets at Israel. Interesting. Second is King Abdullah in Jordan, Mm -hmm. who's playing a useful role, trying to be a behind-the-scenes quiet broker uh, with the Palestinians. And then there is Egypt, where, uh, as you know, several years ago, um, Mm -hmm. the Muslim Brotherhood took over the country, imposed Sharia law, and was beginning to become a real threat to Israel. But the Egyptian military did a counter-revolution uh, coup, yes. you might say, and arrested all the Muslim Brotherhood leaders uh, and took over. And uh, the new president of Egypt is General al-Sisi. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and remember, Hamas, the terror group in, in Gaza is an offshoot of Muslim Brotherhood. Right. So 
uh, General Sisi hates the Brotherhood and has been doing everything to do to crush them. He's executing leaders. I mean, I'm not saying he's a good guy, but he, but he understands at least the threat that the Muslim Brotherhood and Hamas faces, or poses, rather. So he's been using Egyptian military assets to uh, uh, hit and try to destroy terror camps in the Sinai Desert, which was becoming no man's land, Mm. And he's clamping down on all the smuggling of weapons yep. uh, into Gaza through tunnels dug between Gaza and uh, the Sinai Desert. Mm. Recently, uh, the Egyptian military intercepted, about, I think, about 20 missiles mm. that were heading for Gaza uh, through those tunnels, and they captured them and, and uh, wouldn't let them go through. So general sisi or president al-sisi now in egypt is playing a very interesting role and it's his government that is brokering the ceasefire and putting a lot of pressure on hamas to stop mm. firing and i i just think that these are interesting things to watch i don't know that i can project forward yeah. how it's all going to play out but you you we rarely have seen an environment where arabs are trying to help israel against arab terrorists yeah so well- it's just an interesting moment. Yeah, it is, Joe. Also, too, in doing this, it seems he's help, He's protecting his own back, too, isn't he, by, by doing this? So it, he's, he's got mixed reasons for doing this, not so yes. much protecting so, Israel, but his own regime, too. Well, that you, you, you hit the key point, which is the, uh, the effect is that it helps Israel. Right. But each of these three are doing it for their own national Correct. interest. They don't want no. <laughs> a conflict, and they see the threat that Hamas, Islamic Jihad... ISIS and other radical non-state actors, terror groups, pose to themselves, and that's why they're taking these actions. Yeah, let's remind the people, too, the reason Hamas is running Gaza, they were voted in. Do you think now, Joe, if they took a vote today, they would be voted back in as to run the uh, the uh, area, or is this something that they the people are regretting? Or do we even know what the, the man on the street thinks? I don't know that it's possible to know. I mean, it's it would be sort of like going into um, a mafia-held neighborhood <laughs> yeah. and saying, would you like Don Corleone, would you like him to, to patrol your area yeah. or not? Yeah. And yeah. they'd say, yo, oh, yeah. you know, absolutely, and you don't really know. Yeah. Uh, so, look, that's why I said before, my... Uh, the, the, the Palestinian terrorists are terrorists, and they need to be arrested, yeah. um, but they also need Jesus. Yes. I want them to, you know, I want them to know Jesus and repent. Well, you know, Paul was a terrorist, a yes, Jewish terrorist, and he became a great apostle. So that's the terrorist side. But, yeah. but the rest of the Palestinian people, they have all kinds of different political and religious views, but the bottom line is they're trapped. Yeah. They're held captive. In 2005, when Israel withdrew... Uh, its military forces and the settlements there, the Jewish settlements, they had the chance Mm -hmm. to become a truly free, increasingly prosperous, quiet, calm, seaside resort community, eventually, with gas, natural gas is discovered right off the coast. The, The prospects for the Palestinian people in Gaza were really extraordinary. And what happened? These, they're... Satan came to rob, kill, and destroy mm-hmm. by holding these people captive to this Hamas ideology. Yes, I think people originally thought that Hamas would be their, their, their benefactor, right. their, their savior, as it were. And they have learned the hard way that they are suffering more 
And this actually goes right back to Genesis chapter 12, mm-hmm. where God says, if you bless, you know, Abraham, yep. Isaac, Jacob, the people of Israel, I will bless you. And if you curse them, I will curse you. Now, I don't mean that the Palestinian people are cursed from the perspective that they can't know Jesus. Right. They can. We're, we're all cursed, I mean, in that sense. Uh, we all need Christ to rescue us from the curse of sin and death. But they are being harmed, uh, the Palestinian people, by continually cursing, or at least having a government that continually curses the nation of Israel, and, and, and God is allowing bad things to happen. Hopefully, this will create a condition where people will say, listen, listen, and this is happening throughout the Muslim world, people are waking up and realizing, you know what, what has Islam really bought us? Yeah. What has it given us? Heartache, oppression, poverty, uh, uh, you know, sadness, um, and maybe Islam is not the answer. Maybe jihad is not the way, and that's when they begin searching on the mm-hmm. Internet, satellite television, looking for sometimes love in all the wrong places to go back to country sure. music. There you but, go. But sometimes they're finding the, the gospel on mm-hmm. the radio, mm-hmm. on the Internet, on satellite television, and that's where people are starting to come to Christ uh, in large numbers. There's a wonderful revolution uh, against Islam and towards Christ happening throughout the Muslim world. It's something I wrote about in a book uh, called Inside the Revolution back in 2009. Mm. And, Joe, we know Egypt actually has a great future in the plan of God, doesn't it? It does. Uh, Ultimately, uh, Isaiah 19, Mm -hmm. uh, the prophecies tell us that God is going to do a great work and that people are going to be saved and that uh, Egypt will be part of um, three regions, uh, Assyria, uh, which would include basically modern Syria, uh, uh, Lebanon, and parts of Jordan, and Israel. These three regions will come together and people will worship the King Jesus Christ in Jerusalem from these three areas. That being said, the prophecy begins with tremendous oppression, mm-hmm. heartache, and misery for the Egyptian people mm-hmm. because of their pride, because of their bel- belief in false gods. So there's a lot of sadness coming even more, I believe, for the Egyptians before the Holy Spirit is poured out in great measure. Uh, so we need to be praying for the people of Egypt um, in a, in a, and, and for all the people in the region in a, in, a, in a profound way, not just for Israel, but also for her neighbors and her enemies. Okay, our eyes are all on Israel right now in Gaza, but at the same time, Joel, this week something else is going on that may escape notice for most of the people, and that is the P5 plus 1 is meeting with Iran. The six months are almost up for this agreement to be made. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because it seems the latest we read, there's just really no movement on either side to put some type of agreement together with respect to Iran's nuclear program. That's why it's never a dull moment in no. the epicenter, Don. <laughs> you know, ain't it true. <laughs> I mean, it, it, as though the ISIS crisis wasn't enough. I haven't got, or, to, I haven't got to that yet. We're getting... <laughs> I know, or, or, or what's going on in, yeah. in, with Hamas. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so yes, July 20th yep. is the deadline for these uh, international talks with Iran. Uh, there's no indication that I've seen that, that yep. a deal is even going to be made. Nope. And so it raises a question. I mean, uh, it's a pretty simple equation. Iran is in violation of numerous 
UN resolution saying that they're not allowed to enrich uranium, they're not allowed to build secret nuclear facilities. They're not, I mean, you just go on this list of things they're not supposed to be doing, mm-hmm. and they keep doing them. And the, and the negotiations should say, you, you weren't supposed to do this, 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 or this, and you're going to stop, mm-hmm. right? Then yep. we'll lift the sanctions, right. and you can go on and live happily ever after. But, of course, the Iranians are saying, well, it's not so simple. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's about the simplest way I can yeah. <laughs> boil it down. Here's the problem. Iran has, uh, look, there are 17 countries in the world that use peaceful civilian nuclear power to, you know, to run mm-hmm. their, you know, their, their power grid and don't enrich uranium on their soil. Mm. Uh, Canada is one of them. United States, we enrich uranium, we sell enriched uranium in, in, a, in a civilian power you know, type grade to Canada and to other countries, mm. and they use these uh, fuel rods, they're called, and then when they're done, they, we, we take them back mm. and we give them additional ones. That's how it's done in 17 countries. Iran is spending billions of dollars to build secret underground hardened mm. facilities mm-hmm. to enrich uranium, while they also um, build long-range intercontinental ballistic missiles yes. for only one purpose. There's no reason to have an ICBM uh, if you're putting dynamite or conventional explosives on the top, because it'll never make it through the atmosphere. Mm-hmm. The only way, the only reason <laughs> to have an ICBM mm-hmm. is if you've got a nuclear warhead on mm-hmm. its tip. Mm. So they're, bu- they're, 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 they're building these facilities, they're enriching uranium, they want 190,000 centrifuges the machines to make more uranium enriched, according to the Ayatollah, and they've got the ICBMs. So the question becomes, yeah. <laughs> you know, what do they need that all for? And the answer is obvious. They're trying to get nuclear weapons to fulfill their exactly. repeated threats to wipe Israel and the United States off the map. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, will the world draw the line and say, enough is enough, and we're going to make the sanctions even stronger, and we're going to do take other measures, up to and including potentially even military operations. Mm. Or are they going to say, you know what? I guess you know we tried, we negotiated, but oh well, let's just let them do what they're going to do and yeah. hope for the best. Those are the two options. Yeah. And um, I, you know, with, with a regime that's supporting terrorism and radical Islam like Iran, the idea of them having the capability of building nuclear warheads and the missiles to deliver them mm. is a chilling mm. prospect. And uh, the only good news there is that Jeremiah 49 mm-hmm. and Ezekiel 38 and 39 indicate yep. that in the end times, judgment is coming to Iran and its leaders, and that God will show great mercy to the people of Iran after judgment and bring, I believe, will bring many Iranians into the kingdom of Christ. In Jeremiah 49, God actually says, I will, after I judge Iran, I will set my throne there. Hmm. Now you say, wait a minute, wait a minute. God's going to set his throne in Jerusalem, right? That's where Jesus is going to reign. Well, that's true. So what does he mean God's going to set his throne in Iran? Well, there has to be a spiritual hmm. condition pre-second uh, coming, and I believe it means that there's judgment coming to the leaders and military of Iran. Again, I would encourage people to look through the text very carefully, sure. Jeremiah 49. And after that judgment, 
I believe God is going to unleash the greatest spiritual awakening mm. of the rest of the people of Iran to come to Christ. A million have come to Christ already, and I believe that God is going to make Iran a sending country, mm. sending uh, converted Muslims who come to Christ and, and spreading them all over the world to preach the gospel, make disciples, and plant biblical congregations, New Testament congregations, and that will be Jesus putting his throne there for that season mm. of using what used to be radical Muslims mm -hmm. to become bold evangelists and disciple-makers for Jesus. And that's why Jer uh, Jeremiah 49 is so intriguing, and even though Iran is an enemy, mm -hmm. God still loves them, and that's a, a, a biblical um, prophecy that most people don't know about, but it's really intriguing. Yeah, and so we see, you know, uh, something that God's Word teaches. Many times the greatest enemies become like Saul of Tarsus, the greatest yeah, advocates exactly. for the Christian faith. And so we don't want to give up prayer. And, of course, I know, Joel, you're intimately involved in knowing what's going on over in Iran with the Christians there that are being persecuted, the uh, standing up for their faith. And what we see, though, in this, God's eventually, Isaiah 49, like you mentioned, Isaiah earlier, 17, um, there's going to be turning around in Egypt, turning around in Iran. So the good news is that all is not lost, and that's why we need to pray for these people, understand they're, in, particularly Iran, an enemy now, but God has a future for them, and God's going to do something there, so let's not write them off totally as uh, as to as lost, because remember, we're here to be salt and light, to preach the gospel to the world. All right, I've got only about eight more minutes here with your ten more minutes. A couple things I want to talk about real sure. quickly, and um, well, first of all, let me ask you, anything else you want to bring up I haven't mentioned yet? I've got a whole bunch of things, but what else uh, that you think needs to be said? We no, haven't I'm, covered I'm, this I'm hour. enjoying the conversation, and I would just add to that last part that you yep. said, which is, you know, this is this is why, yes, we pray, yep. and then we also want to be involved in investing in the preaching of the gospel and the making disciples and the training of pastors in these Middle Eastern countries, especially at this time, mm -hmm. right when it feels the darkest. Mm -hmm. The prophecies are given to us so that we know, hey, these people are going to have a chance to come to Christ, and many of them, not all, mm -hmm. will come to Christ, so let's not uh, you know, lose our focus. Let's invest our time, talent, and treasure, and our prayers in reaching these nations with the gospel. And that's a big part of what the Joshua Fund hmm. is all about. Yeah, mention okay. How does pe how do people get involved with the Joshua Fund if they want to support it, pr uh, pray for? It? What do we What do we do? Well, people can go to our website, uh, joshuafund.com. Again, jo the Joshua Fund. Uh, well, it, it, it's just www.joshuafund.com. Uh, there's videos there. Uh, we do epicenter conferences. You can watch the previous uh, speakers. Um, uh, actually, it was Pastor Chuck Smith who, mm. uh, and Skip Heitzig who co-hosted with me the first ever epicenter conference in Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that set into motion eight years now mm -hmm. of God using um, the Joshua Fund to to both educate Christians around the world about God's love and plan for Israel and our neighbors, and then to do practical things to be a blessing. And again, you can learn all about what we're doing at joshuafund.com. And of course, if, you, if somebody wanted to, we can, they can give 
securely online uh, at joshuafund.com. Uh, thank you, Joe. Joe, i got to ask you a question. How do you get – God has really got his hand on your life. We appreciate you so much. But here you work closely with not only President Netanyahu, you also work with Rush Limbaugh. How would you do all that? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, first of all, that's sort of my past life. I, God, uh, I, I'm a failed political consultant, uh, Don. I, everyone I ever worked for uh, lost their elections. I mean, when I worked for Netanyahu, let's just be clear, that was in the year 2000. Okay. That's a long time ago. I don't speak for him now or, or you know, I'm not – working closely with him. Right. Um, but I was on his comeback campaign team. <laughs> He'd been prime minister. He'd lost. He wanted to come back. Let me just say that it took him nine years to come back, and mm. I, I played no long-term help mm. there. I just was with him for a few months. So, um, so anyway, God had opened up a door over the previous years, uh, about ten years, with lots of different um, key leaders, mm-hmm. Israelis and Americans, uh, and I learned a lot about the Middle East, I learned a lot about media and communications, and then the Lord uh, sort of changed my path and, and said, okay, that, that was the sort of the backdrop, uh, the, the training, and now I want you to write novels and start the Joshua Fund, and, mm. and God has given me wonderful people to help me do these things. I couldn't possibly do them on my own, starting with my wife and kids, but mm. a great uh, team at Tyndale uh, House Publishers, which uh, do all my books and and then the Joshua staff and board, it's just, they're just phenomenal and have a lot of skills uh, that I don't have. And, of course, they have the time. Yeah. They're doing it full-time um, to, to do these things on a day-to-day basis. And I, I'm just deeply grateful for, for what God has done. I'm more of a catalyst in many ways hmm. uh, than the day-to-day operator of these things. Um, I currently serve as founder and chairman of the Joshua Fund. I, I stepped down from the presidency um, last December, just because uh, there was a number of things coming in, in our lives that we just needed to hand the day-to-day management over to, to another set of wonderful uh, people. So we're very grateful for that. Yeah, and again, in this day and age, Joel, with all the things going on, the busyness I'm sure that you have, and not only what we've talked about today with uh, Israel and Gaza and just mentioning Iran, but also with ISIS or now the Islamic State, we haven't even touched on Vladimir Putin and what's going on there with <laughs> the Ukraine and all the that. The gift that keeps on giving, it, right, it, is it, the amazing. things related to Israel and the Middle East. <laughs> and it will continue to, I mean, when you start out from now, like Chuck and I used to talk about this, how exponentially it's increased in ways we couldn't even begin to imagine. Isn't that, isn't that the case? It is. Yeah, you know, Jerusalem is the last city yep. ever mentioned in the Scripture, mm-hmm. of course, in the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I describe Israel in, in, in a book actually released uh, the first, day I, first place I spoke for my book Epicenter in 2006 was at Calvary Costa Mesa. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time I'd ever met Pastor Chuck, he invited me to come. And I really believe that Israel, and, and particularly Jerusalem, is yep. the epicenter of God's plan and purpose uh, for the nations. Mm. Um, Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5, God says, I placed Jerusalem at the center of the nations. Mm. And then in Ezekiel 38, verse 12, he says that he's going to bring the Jewish people who were scattered back to the land of Israel, back to the, uh, the navel of the earth or the center of the earth. Uh, it can be translated even as the belly button mm. of the earth in Ezekiel thirty-eight twelve. So geographically, God considers Israel as the epicenter of the world, Jerusalem as the epicenter of Israel, mm-hmm. and the Temple Mount exactly. as the epicenter of Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. 
And and since it's the last city ever mentioned in the Bible, you know that as we get closer to the second coming of Christ, more and more eyes are going to be riveted mm. on the momentous events that are shaking our world and shaping our future from there. And so I think what's happened in recent years is that more and more Christians are beginning to realize, listen, I haven't ever paid too much attention to the Middle East or to Israel, but I think I need to learn more. And once I've learned, I think I need to start to pray. And once I pray, maybe I ought to, you know, give to what's going on there. And then some people are saying, maybe I should go and at least see it or even serve there. And that learn, pray, give, go, you know, approach is something that I think is from the Lord. I think it's very biblical and uh, something that uh, my wife and kids and I have been involved with and, and love helping others kind of go on that journey. Okay, Joe, you've been wonderful. We've got about three minutes left. Would you do us a favor and pray us out? Pray for the meeting tomorrow with the Israeli cabinet. They make the right decision, because like you said, from now until then, who knows what can happen. Would you do that for us, please? Sure, I'd be honored. Thank you, Don, for this time. Oh, thank you. Father in heaven, we are so grateful that you are God, that you are sovereign, that you are holy, Mm. that your loving kindness is everlasting. Uh, We thank you, Lord, that you are the God of Israel, Mm. God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You're the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Mm. And you do love Israel and the Jewish people, but you also do love the Palestinians Mm. and the Lebanese and the Syrians and the Jordanians and Egyptians and Iranians and Iraqis and all the people of the world. Lord, we pray for peace. We want there to be peace. Uh, Mostly the the, the Prince of Peace, Lord Jesus Mm. Christ, would reveal himself and people would know him and be transformed by him and filled with your Holy Spirit. We pray for the church in the epicenter, uh, many of whom are harassed or persecuted. Give them strength, give them courage. And we do pray for Prime Minister Netanyahu and the other leaders in the region uh, to have wisdom, to know whether they should move forward on a ceasefire. Mm. We we hope that's your will, Lord. We want there to be Mm. calm. Uh, We want there to be quiet and, and for healing for Israelis and Palestinians who have been suffering so much, Lord. Mm. We pray that your light would be would go forth, that your good news, the good news of the gospel, of mm. forgiveness and freedom and hope in Christ, would go forth in the darkness, mm. and that you'd use uh, the K-Wave listeners and others to, to be part of that, of praying and participating in, in reaching the people of the epicenter with the glorious gospel of mm. Jesus, our Messiah, until you come, Lord, mm. and reign from Jerusalem. We thank you and praise you in the name of our Lord and our Savior and our soon-coming King, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Joe Rosenberg, for coming on today. It was a fabulous program. Uh, can we call upon you in the future, maybe? To, to uh, We won't take sure. a whole hour from no, you. I, but, I'd uh, be honored. Well, thank no, you. It's our pleasure. Thank you. You've been a great friend of Calvary Chapel. We love what you're doing. Again, people, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And like Sammy Smaja, the leader of Sarel Tour, says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem and bring Jews to Jesus. <laughs> we want people to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We want Palestinians to know them. We want everyone to know them. And Joe Rosenberg, thank you, thank you, thank you for the work that you do and uh, thank you so much for being on the program there's the music saying we're out of time very special edition of Pastor's Perspective on this Mystery Monday we thank Joel for participating pray people because uh, who knows what's going to happen from now until tomorrow morning okay I'm Don Stewart saying thanks for listening we'll see you again tomorrow on another edition of Pastor's Perspective until then may the Lord richly bless bye bye
pray you've been blessed and that you'll join us again for another edition of Pastor's Perspective. The preceding was sponsored by Calvary Chapel and K-Wave.